Hey listeners, CEO coach Liam Krismer here. Welcome. This is the Masterclass edition of the CEO Matters podcast. This is where we take a deeper, a more curated dive into a topic or an issue you need to know more about. Sometimes an interview, sometimes a conversation. Other times, I simply go deep into the weeds on a CEO matter that I think is important. So, let's get into this episode of CEO Matters, the Masterclass Edition. Hello, listeners. It's CEO Coach Liam Krismer with another Masterclass Edition of CEO Matters. We're going to talk about well-being in this episode, your well-being, and why it's important. But first, let's start out with a quote to set the tone. This is by the author D.H. Lawrence in his book, Apocalypse, his last major work, written during the winter of 1929 to 1930. It was written a long time ago, so please excuse the gender usage. And it's a little bit long, but not too bad. He said, what man most passionately wants is his living wholeness and his living unison not his own isolate salvation of his soul. Man wants his physical fulfillment first and foremost, since now, once and once only, he is in the flesh and potent. For man, the vast marvel is to be alive. For man, as for flower and beast and bird, the supreme triumph is to be most vividly, most perfectly alive. Whatever the unborn and dead may know, they cannot know the beauty, the marvel of being alive in the flesh. The dead may look after the afterwards, but the magnificent here and now of life in the flesh is ours and ours alone and ours only for a time. We ought to dance with rapture that we should be alive and in the flesh and part of the living incarnate cosmos. Now, that's a kind of a long, flowery way of saying it's great to be alive. To me, the passage speaks about the importance of living in the present. We know that the past is a memory and the future is a promise. What we have is now, and we should make the best of it for today and for tomorrow. And that brings us to your well-being. Why is this important? We do our best to eat well, exercise a few times a week, and for the most part, keep within our boundaries, stay in our lane. Isn't that enough? For most people, yes. But you're not most people. You're the CEO, and your standards are higher. They have to be, because you serve as a role model to everyone else around you. As a CEO, you are assumed to have your act together to be the voice of reason in a sea of turmoil, and to be the one to show others the way. It goes with the job, and you gladly accept the responsibility. Reality is that CEOs are not supermen, not wonder women. They are flawed human beings, like everyone else. Yet they are driven to make a difference in the world. They are driven to create companies of remarkable achievement and to build extraordinary lives. And often appearances belie the truth. On the surface, everything looks fine. Sales are increasing. The company is profitable. The CEO lives in a nice house in an affluent neighborhood. 
kids go to the right schools and the couple attend the charity galas, pictures in the society pages, and so on. Everything sounds peachy. What is it? How you doing? Oh, great. You? Yeah, fine, good. You know, you know. Yeah, we've, we've all been on both sides of that equation. We've given and heard the answers. You know, all good, awesome, never better, busy. You know, we're always busy. And I'm calling bullshit on all of that. As Rocky Balboa said, it ain't all sunshine and rainbows out there. Brene Brown is a professor of social work at the University of Houston. And several years ago, she gave a TED Talk on the power of vulnerability. It ranks as one of the most viewed TED Talks of all time with over 55 million views as I record this. And she's gone on to write a shelf full of books about vulnerability and shame. And still, for many of us, it's hard to be completely honest and admit, and to admit that, well, maybe things really aren't so great. Maybe we don't have everything quite as together as we let on. I'm reminded of all of the Facebook and Instagram posts of people showing the lives that they want the, the world to believe that they're living instead of their actual lives. Now, for CEOs, we have a term for it. It's called imposter syndrome. It's that sinking feeling that, eh, you know, we really are in a little over our heads, and it's only a matter of time before the world finds out. Studies have shown that a shocking 75% of CEOs experience this feeling at some point, and it is especially higher for first-time CEOs and for female CEOs. So, listeners, let's be honest with ourselves and take responsibility for our own well-being and our own self-care. Let's put our oxygen mask on first. In another master class, I talk about owning and running a large men's grooming company for 15 years. The business was nationally recognized and widely admired. Customers loved us. We owned the market. We were seemingly untouchable by our competitors. Everybody wanted us to carry their lines. The best of the best wanted to work for us. Yeah, we were the cat's meow right up until the point that we failed. And I believed I was a great CEO because I knew my business. I loved and cared for our employees and we took care, better care of our customers than anyone else. I was living the dream, except for the fact that I wasn't awake while I was living the dream. We had a homeless man, his name was Gordon, and he would often sit on a bench outside our shop in the mornings. He had a weathered face and long gray hair and his image reminded me of that of Moses in, in uh, the movies. On one particular morning, he looked up at me and as I approached, and he, he asked, So, is this a good day or is this a bad day? Well, Gordon couldn't quite sum up or size up my countenance on that day and figure out whether it was a good or bad day to ask me for a handout. And it occurred to me that my employees did the very same thing as I entered the business. They wanted to know whether I was in a good mood or bad. And while I'd convinced myself that I was portraying an upbeat, positive, healthy owner, the truth was I was the only one buying my lie. I worked way too much. I overly fixated on the business. I ate the wrong foods in the wrong quantities at the wrong times. I drank more than I should nearly every night while working on my business. I wasn't a drunk, but we had a liquor license, and so what's the harm in fixing a Manhattan or two, or sometimes three, after everyone had gone home? 
I hadn't seen the inside of a gym in years, and yet, if you asked me how I was doing, great, awesome, busy. I wasn't taking care of myself. I paid no attention to my well-being or my self-care. You might know the name Ariana Huffington. She is the founder of the Huffington Post, and I consider her to be the godmother of well-being and self-care. A number of years ago, it might be 15 years or so now as, as I record this, she was standing in her office and she passed out from exhaustion. On her way down, she whacked her head on the side of her desk, cut open her eye and fractured her jaw. And she recovered. And then she went on to write the New York Times bestselling book, Thrive, and later founded Thrive Global to focus on content and actionable programs to promote individual and corporate wellness. In August of 2021, Thrive Global raised $85 million for these wellness programs and content development. And as further evidence of the growing importance of wellness and well-being, Lululemon, the athletic company, uh, athletic uh, apparel company, announced in September 2021, just one month later, that it was committing $75 million to invest in community wellness programs. All good measures, no question about that. And yet, CEOs, what is missing in all of that is that no one is focusing on the well-being of the CEO. That, listeners, is the work we have to do. CEO well-being and self-care may sound a little soft. After all, you're used to expecting an ROI before committing resources. Understood. Who could argue with that logic? Protect and preserve the assets. Let me ask you something. What is your value as CEO? And what measures are you taking to protect your continued performance, awareness, and contribution? There was a guy, I think his name was Robert Fulgram, and he wrote a book called Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Some of these areas such as sleep, sleep, nourishment, hydration, exercise, mindfulness, may sound like things we already know, and yet we may not be giving them the appropriate priority and consistent attention in our lives. In other words, we know, but we don't really know. So let's change that. Here are some micro steps that we can take right now, immediately to improve our well-being and to begin to solve the CEO well-being conundrum. Now, none of this is rocket science, and you've heard it all, be- all before. And in future episodes, we're going to talk to people a lot smarter than me, and we'll get more specific about how you take care of yourself. But for now, I've got a few points. Number one, let's take responsibility for our own well-being and self-care. It won't happen on its own. We have to be intentional. It can't wait until tomorrow. Just like the window sticker in the dashboard messages that tell us when to change our oil and rotate our tires on the car. We need to build our own dashboard to ensure that our own personal maintenance is scheduled. Number two, someday is not a day of the week. Let's start right now. You've heard the parable that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, and the second best time is today. And the same goes for your well-being. Number three, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull into the next 7-Eleven that's coming up there on your left. Pull in and buy a liter of water. Better yet, buy a few. Drink one today, 
drink one tomorrow. You get the idea. Now you're hydrating. Sounds pretty simple, but it's big. Next, get more sleep. Tonight, take a shower. Better yet, take a hot bath with Epsom salts. Turn out the lights, light a candle, dial up music for concentration on Spotify, and relax. And no, you cannot text or email on your phone. No looking at your phone 60 minutes before nighty night. And number five here in my list, one more thing. I call it walk for five. For every hour that you spend sitting, walk for five minutes. Walking is easy. You can do it anywhere. Tom Peters, the author of In Search of Excellence, built his entire career so many decades ago by famously coining MBWA, Management by Walking Around. It's low impact. It gets your metabolism firing again and allows you to recharge your energy and focus. Be like Ed Bastian of Delta Airlines. He spends 50% of his time outside of his office. That's it. Three things to do. Drink more water. Get more sleep. Walk for five. Good things come in threes. Here's one more. Live and lead better. All right, that's four, but I wasn't a math major. Okay, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. I sincerely hope you enjoyed the conversation. Unfortunately, it's been one-sided, and that's no fun. You didn't get a chance to say a single word. So, if you'd like to continue the conversation, head on over to chrismer.com forward slash work with me. That's chrismer, C-H-R-I-S-M-E-R. Now there you can find more information, you can check out other episodes on the topics, subscribe, and most importantly, schedule a time for us to talk, to have a conversation. That's chrismer.com forward slash work with me. Until then, remember, live and lead better. Better.